Welcome to episode 10 of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama, Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably, sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives and interactions with crime or law enforcement or both. Every episode we play good cop, bad cop, or innocent bystander. Episode 10 of Cop Rock is very likely our favorite episode across the board. Great music, great choreography, and some okay storyline moments. Enjoy this one, because we did. Watch the 10th episode of Cop Rock before listening. Trust me, it'll make a lot more sense that way. You can get Cop Rock on Amazon or direct from Shout Factory. There are links for each in the show notes. I want to remind you, we are not affiliated with Shout Factory, we are not affiliated with Cop Rock, and we gain nothing from that purchase. You can find Officer Orifice on Twitter as at Officer Orifice. I'm there too as at Cop Rocker. Our theme music, as always, is The Crime by Risework, with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock. Still that old devil's no match for you. I'm sure you'll break this dark heart. Yeah, that's my crime, the crime of love, but I was busted by your feet. With stealth and craft, I used my art. Oh my god, I need to drink. <laughs> wow, you, you needed a drink, you needed a big drink. I did. Yeah. I need a little sip. You needed a gulp. <laughs> I'm American, that's how we do things. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome to Let's Watch Cop Rock, episode 10. Episode 10. No news is a good news. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've all got lots of feelings, but before we tell you what they are, we should probably tell you who we are. Probably so. I'm Officer Orifice. I'm Detective Duda. And I'm Sergeant Snail. And we've just watched, uh, yeah, episode 10. Um, well, I mean, there's lots to discuss here. Um, the first thing that occurred to me was during the previously on section, which is now roughly uh, 40% of the entire program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this before, but it just struck me uh, in the, this penultimate episode that um, everyone on this show has a really high hairline. <laughs> Never really noticed that. Okay. Yeah, totally. Have you noticed it before? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Leonard yeah. Betts and... Yeah. Leonard Betts and... Um, Ralph. Uh, Rolf. Yeah, Rolf. <laughs> and Rolf. Father, Rolf. husband. Yeah, and actually uh, daughter, wife. Yes. 
Um, it's because her hair is actually trying to creep backwards. I think it's because so, it's, it's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's pulling back. Yeah. yeah. It's sliding off her face. I Believable. bet you that woman and Bobby, we've not seen a photo of her um, lately, although she's still working. Yeah, but IMDb doesn't have a photo of her more recent than this. Well, I bet you she, she looks amazing because the weight of her hair pulling back is giving her like a natural facelift. <laughs> 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 I mean, her, uh, I think her eyebrows are probably like on actually on top of her head by now. Oh yeah, definitely. She's got to draw on new ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least on the hour because they 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 you can see them. Sliding it's back. like the second. It's like the minute hand on a, on a clock. If you watch closely enough, you can see it moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and, but yeah, it's not just her. It's everyone. It seems uh, Larisso. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't remember who else it showed, but um, they've all got like a really, really high hairline. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably not the most important thing about this episode because <laughs> <laughs> it deals with quite some quite weighty issues, but um, but none quite so weighty as uh, Anne Bobby's hair. It's true, literally. Yeah. I don't know. Sydney's jowls are pretty weighty. Larissa's lawyer. He kind of reminds me oh. of a beaker, like a really angry beaker. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, sad, down, turned mouth and eyes, and glasses mm-hmm. really don't help. But oh, they're child molester glasses, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Quite disturbing. Creepy old man. Yeah. Mm. But no, you're right. Like an asshole. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I don't know how, yeah, I don't want to judge somebody by the way they look, but he just looks like he could be an asshole. Yeah. You know. He's got a great face, though. To be in, an asshole. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but as, a, as an actor, you know, like, you you know, sometimes it's like, you just say, oh, that's such a great face, you know? Mm-hmm. I always think that if somebody's got, like, a really lined face, you think, like, that's a great face. That's an actor's face. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Totally. Um, so the first song, the opening scene, <gasps> is LaRusso's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, you know, I was kidding when I asked aloud if they would count Happy Birthday as one of the episode's <laughs> songs. <laughs> <laughs> and yet. And yet. I actually, okay, so I've, I know you're going to differ with me on mm-hmm. this. I actually, musically speaking, was fine with LaRusso's song. What I wrote down was, LaRusso's song is fine, but, and then I underlined, he murdered a guy. Like, I don't need a song about how much it sucks, all this media attention I'm getting. I only ended someone's life. Yes. Yeah. That drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah. Um, Yeah, his song's... I, th- I think it's called To Live and Die a Cop or something. Something like that. I called it All I Ever Wanted. All I Ever Wanted. Uh, yeah, because he does sing that as well, doesn't he? I said that the the moodiness of his sultry solo is somewhat undercut by one of the party guests jabbing at another with a rubber chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been taking notes during that one because I didn't totally miss the rubber yeah. chicken. The camera was just like, you know, because the ca- camera starts off on like the other side of the table to the LaRusso and slowly kind of 
um, comes in, like focuses mm-hmm. in on Larusso and sort of passes by all the other guests. And at one point, he's like, you know, being all like sad and sultry and soulful. And then, like, one of the guests just like leans across the table and like <laughs> and waves a rubber chicken at another one. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm thinking, like, mm, yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not right. Uh, another thing I wrote in was having a cop stripper is a seriously asshole move by his friends. Yeah, with huge air quotes around friends, because if you're friends with Larusso, you're not a decent human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't notice, I didn't recognize anybody at the table. Nah, none of these are people that we've seen before, as far as I know. No, but- all the crooked cops in the. The other wing. Maybe they're all the people who moved from New York with him. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe they're all. Uh, maybe they've all got mud wrestling girlfriends, and they met at some kind of club. <laughs> I don't know if they were. They were. There was a meetup back in. You know, like meetups. I don't know if meetups were a thing in 1990, but maybe there was a like mud wrestling girlfriend, spiky, you know, ex New York. Angry Dude Hangout Club. A convention. Yeah. They have a convention. They all get together to talk about how much it sucks that they've all killed somebody. And what they see is the line of duty, but now they're in trouble for it and they've been drummed out of their professions. Mm-hmm. One of them is like an ice cream man. One of them is a, is a <laughs> truck driver. He's actually a serial killer, but he's not letting on to that with everybody else. I'm going to take this fanfic in some really interesting thinking. directions. I know. I was just thinking. I would watch that. Well, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of stealing it from Neil Gaiman, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Who? Nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Quit, sick LaRusso. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then we're on to the opening. Uh, no, the, the opening, the uh, the title song. Yes. Again. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. Well, we love it, don't we? So here's the thing that shocks me. It won an Emmy. Yes. Totally shocking to find that out. This TV show is an Emmy award-winning television show, and one of the Emmys was for Randy Newman for the title sequence, I'm assuming. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I have to admit, this is kind of, I guess it's like Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) But I kind of love that song now. Really? Yeah. You've formed really, some positive really emotional like bonds. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I really liked it. I was much more disturbed by Rolf's um, uh, T-shirt, uh, which I pointed out, I think has uh, uh, raccoons on it. <laughs> he doesn't deserve animals as cute as raccoons. Well, no, he doesn't. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a really kind of strange pat- pattern, and it actually took me until episode 10 to work out that that's what it was. And it wasn't actually some weird Batman-style contoured body armour. <laughs> because I, I realised that all this time I'd been imagining him turning up in, like, body armour. <laughs> I know we've only got Is one it... episode to go, but it's, uh, seriously, check we're it gonna out. We're going to pause it this time. Okay. And we're going to check it out. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Make sure we all get a good look. Yeah. But now put it on slow mo, perhaps. Yeah, we could do slow mo. <laughs> Too bad you can't do slow mo with sound. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see then. <laughs> 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 
Except it'll be like really deep because it'd be slow motion. Oh, so yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> 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 it'd be amazing. And then if you play it backwards, it's like, this is the biggest turd I've ever laid. <laughs> What did we say last time Satan wouldn't even come to that party? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you play it backwards, you get the devil. He tells you to shut that shit off. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking if you played the slow version at the same time as the fast version, you get the soundtrack to Inception. Because <laughs> you know, that's what they did with that. All the fast music and all the so- slow music were the same song, played at different speeds. Oh, really? I don't know that. Yeah. Mm. I've only seen it the one time it was... I don't remember the music. No. I'm not a fan. I barely remember this episode and we just fucking watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a band geek, so I noticed the song. Uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, so then the next thing we get is Ralph observing Andy meeting his new partner. Mm-hmm. And sitting there with that little shitting grin. Yes. And, and I wrote all I wrote down was two words. Absolutely infuriating. Yeah. Oh, just fucking hate Ralph. I know. Well, I mean, he wasn't this bad initially, was he? I mean, he's no, just... he was lovable father husband. Yes. And who wouldn't want one of those, even with his uh, prostate problems? Yeah, you know, he'd, he'd always have something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> apart, apart from the lovely Jojo O'Keefe um, prints that they had in their bedroom. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. can't get those out of my mind. I don't know. Well. It was a very floral bedroom, that. That <laughs> 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 was like the pilot episode, wasn't it? It was like two or three. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Oh, but that bedroom that. did kind of look like it had been wrapped in an old lady's nightgown. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> it did, she had actually. her old lady nightgown on herself. And she, she did, did have her old lady yeah. nightgown. Ugh, memories. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, then, um, then we were in court. Yeah, for Larusso's trial, which feels like it's been going on for about five years now. Because I know from other TV dramas that normally court cases they only last about forty-two minutes. Right. And that's in between, like you know, like the heroine's kind of love life escapades. I mean, everything I know about the American judicial system is comes entirely from old episodes of Ally McBeal. Well, I can't think of a better legal training than that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorely disappointed in the lack of dancing babies on this show. <laughs> there are worse law schools than the entire than the entire run of Ally McBeal. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they've gone through like three uh, changes of clothes. During this know, trial, that's crazy. Yeah, at least three. Yeah, if yeah, not, two definitely, if not three. Yeah, I think there were two just in this one episode. Yeah, which means that this this trial has lasted at least three days, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I I put down um, well initially I put down the mm-hmm, judge's side boob, <laughs> but what I meant was side eye. <laughs> I love that. I was like, the judge's face, exclamation mark. He was like... <laughs> yeah. 
that look was priceless. Yeah. I wrote down, I love the way the judge is having zero of this horse shit. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. He is just not putting up with it. He's like, I don't care what he spent 15 years doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that actor's been in something else. Uh, Oh, he's been in a million things. Yeah. He's great. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's great as the judge in this. Do you think he's one of these people who's always the judge in things? I mean, maybe so. He's got that look. Yeah, he has got, he's got that, that look. He's like, got that, like, trustable authoritarian look. Yes. You know? Like, he looks older and wise, but also kindly. Mm-hmm. You know? And like he doesn't put up with horse shit. And like he doesn't put up with horse shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if he was the judge. Yeah. If I ever got arrested for something. Which would never happen, of course. You might Except say- for we're already in jail. Mm, except that, well, I'm never going to get arrested for anything again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a lifer, folks. Yeah, and here they don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you never know. If, you, if, if, if by some miracle you got parole and then you committed another crime, that judge might slip you a side boob. <laughs> Under <Side food. laughs> the rope, <laughs> instead of Chunky Poo Face, he would be singing a song, and he would just be like giving that like no fucking way you've got to be fucking joking face, like while he sings, just like <laughs> like he's so angry. This has been done in his courtroom. So many great shows that were never made. I know. And we'd watch them, wouldn't we? Well, yeah. And we'd podcast the fuck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in court. Okay, go for it. Have I was going to say, CCH Pounder's blouse is amazing. Mm-hmm. Is, was that the, like, the multicolored? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, Her earrings. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. She's amazing. And I put, Knott's Landing's Terry Austin's character Trish is wearing yet another deck chair. Um, I'm not quite sure what was going on in the trial, to be honest with you. I was too focused on the blouses. <laughs> <laughs> what did happen in that scene? I'm not, I'm not even joking. Um, that was when they were interviewing, or when they were interviewing, when they were getting testimony from... Uh, a captain, right? The captain, yeah. Right. Yes. No, it was that was um, that was the, the the PTSD expert. Okay. The like, um, what are you doing, combat expert? Is that when they had like the gun on the table? Yes. So it's really interesting, actually. One of the things he was the thing he was describing about the experience of like perceiving time slowing and and mm-hmm. oral absence, like as uh-huh. the sound goes away. Um, the other term that I've heard for that is the Oz effect. Uh, the, as though you've like stepped into Oz and everything is different and strange abruptly, but in ways that are uh, d- difficult to describe. Okay. And the Oz effect is often described as a, a shift in perception of time and, and everything going strangely quiet and things like that. But because I'm a weirdo, <laughs> the place where I have read the Oz effect being relevant is in people's experience of like the paranormal. So people who like report UFO sightings will report the Oz effect occurring right before they see the UFO. Mm-hmm. People who like claim to have had Sasquatch encounters will report or like Fey folk encounters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
will report the Oz effect occurring, happening to them, and then they have their paranormal experience, and then the paranormal experience ends and the Oz effect continues for a few seconds, and then they hear sound rush back in and everything is back to normal. And uh, one of the theories is that that is like, uh, that that is a symptom of something like temporal lobe epilepsy, where you might not have a physical seizure, but your brain does, like, you, the, your brain's processing of time and sensory input is disrupted temporarily. Mm-hmm. Goes on a different level of wave. Yeah. Or something. So um, it's, anyway, it's, uh, it, to me, I was, like, sitting there thinking, oh, the Oz effect, this is really fascinating. Um, and then they did their bullshit gun demonstration, so. Yeah, what happened there? Because, again, I was looking at the Velozies. Well, I was thinking that it would be possible for Tyrone to maybe do that, A, if he was, because he wasn't still handcuffed from behind, because obviously he was clearly sitting and not doing what LaRusso Mm -hmm. said, but I think Tyrone would probably have to be like a yogi to do that move. I know I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I'm like... I was handcuffed there, and I, I couldn't even pull up my britches. <laughs> <laughs> At least not in the front. Yeah, no. What did they say? They were saying that he reached around? Yeah. The, yeah, demonstrate. Basically, handcuffed, goes down on the table. I guess you could grab it. Depends on how like many oh, okay. kinks there are in the cuff between hand and Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, like, grabbing the gun so effortlessly right here. And then going, bang, bang, bang. You know, like that. Yeah. But it's the sort of thing where it's obvious that the guy doing this has rehearsed doing this. Yeah. And he's, like, thin as a rail, too. I mean, Tyrone wasn't, you know, chunky or anything. But Sure. I I just think you'd have to have a little more flexibility than the average, you know, Mm -hmm. 90s crack dealer. And, and like, yeah, well, yeah. And I don't know, like, it's this, that's the sort of thing that I wonder how often does that happen in courtrooms? Is that actually influential? Uh-huh. You know, I have attorney friends who told me that, like, eyewitness accounts are really influential in court, but are, statistically speaking, some of the worst evidence you can have in terms of their factual reliability. Right. Because people fill in details every time they misremember, yeah. you know, and things like that. forget shit from the time it actually happened to the months and months and months or years later when they actually yeah. have to go to freaking trial. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, you know, here's this obviously rehearsed moment. Does that actually influence the jury? I just don't, I don't know. I hope not, but, yeah. you know. Mm. It just huh. seems like it's obvious bullshit to me. Yeah. Speaking of Oz, next up I've got Ozzy finally standing up for himself. Yeah. Being yeah. a total badass mm-hmm. and being like, what do you fucking think of me, motherfucker? Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, like truly calling out the chief on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the chief going, oh, well, you know, you're Ozzy, blah, blah, blah. I mm-hmm. can't think of any quotes that he said or they others that, you know. Yeah. Um, that made me very happy. Yeah, because he kind of like makes a distinction between like black people like Ozzy and what he refers to as black malcontents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ozzy points out that the chief is one of those people, and this is very common in the South anyway, of thinking, well, there are the good blacks and there are the rest of them. Right. You know, 
And I feel like that does pretty much sum up the chief right there in a nutshell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also my mother, but, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a different podcast. I'm, I'm related to a couple of chiefs. Yeah. No longer related to them, technically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we shouldn't be surprised, really, because the chief didn't have any time for the mayor until she got all sexified. So I yeah. think to him... Uh, women are the same you know Mm. there's like those that are worth bothering with and then there's all the rest of them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah he's just a dick isn't he and uh, talking of dicks uh, Rolf gets to be a dick again because he uh, goes to marriage counselling with Vicky and he basically well he starts off just by saying oh I think this is just a big waste of time and money what a prick. What a prick. Exactly. And he's only... He's agreed to go there with her. He agreed to go there with her if she got rid of Andy as her partner, which she did. So then right. he goes to the uh, marriage counselling and then just proceeds to poo-poo all over it. Yeah. Great way to sabotage your own counselling there, dude. Like... And the counselor is like, well, are you attracted to this guy? Do you find him attractive, rather? <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I've done anything with him. Which is, like, the whole fucking point. Uh-huh. Also, like, god damn, what, is she supposed to be dead when she says I do? <laughs> right. Like, right. Is, like are, is, are she supposed to put on fucking blinders that... Or maybe a big pair of maybe a big blindfold to just have Ralph-shaped cutouts in them <laughs> so that he's the only man she can see. And, uh... And I was just like, God damn, what I wrote down was, oh, sweet fucking Jesus, is everyone in this show going to blame daughter wife for having emotions? Yeah. And being, yeah, just human and being comfortable saying, hey, I have a male partner. I've never, I can't say that I'm not attracted to him or Uh don't find him an attractive man. Sure. But I've never done anything with him. I'm your wife, blah, blah, blah. And he just totally... It's like, I knew it. I knew you were... Like, he assumes yeah. automatic guilt because she says, yeah. I found another human being yeah. other than my <laughs> overweight, middle-aged husband who thinks I'm cheating on him attractive. Yeah. Well, it's like both the counsellor and Rolf pretty much slut-shames her yeah. for being honest about being attracted to someone. Right. And she's just going to think, What? I feel like there's so much misogyny in this storyline. Yeah. I thought that the misogynistic storyline was that the mayor needed to get pretty before she could get laid and to get elected to anything. No. I mean, yes, it is. But the even more misogynistic storyline, I think, is the one where you're not allowed to be a woman and notice things. Yes. You know? Like, it's so fucking frustrating. It's. I feel like this storyline plays out so many of the worst and most central elements of like the patriarchy of rape culture mm-hmm. of so many different things like it's okay it apparently it's okay for ralph to assume that if anybody who has ever found anybody attractive has automatically boned them yeah, yeah. um apparently it's okay for ralph to assume that everybody has to be as dead inside as he is. Yeah. Um, and that if you've ever looked at anybody else, then you've functionally cheated on him. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's okay for him to want kids now and 
thus everybody has to question whether it's okay for her not to want kids now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, ah, everybody but, treats her like a piece of property. I particularly like the bit where he stormed out saying, if I don't run, I'm going to put my hands on you. Oh. And you think, seriously? Well, and, and that's the thing, saying it in front of the counter, I was kind of like, well, at least she's got, you know, yeah. in case, you know, father-husband goes off the rails and actually does do something, he's got the counselor, or she's got the counselor as far as, like, you know, witness, but yeah. I, I think that seeing the counselor is kind of being anti, yeah. you know, Vicky, you know. Yeah. I think that that's not, it. he was apeshit. Yeah. Well, like, isn't she? I don't. This is an honest question. I don't know whether client privilege prevents this, mm-hmm. like client confidentiality prevents this, um, or if she is a mandatory reporter. Like, because there are certain roles yeah. where if you hear a threat like that, you are required to mm-hmm. act on it. Yeah, you are required to report that to social services or to the police or whatever is appropriate. And, like, there are people at my job who are mandatory reporters who start conversations with people by saying, you can tell me anything you want to, and I appreciate your trust, but I'm a mandatory reporter of certain kinds of problems. Right. You know? Uh Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, but even after 110 episodes of Ellie McBeal, I can't answer that question. Oh, my God. What did you do with that law degree? (laughs) (laughs) What a massive waste of time. Um, Now I see... (laughs) Um, Yes, Uh, just a really disturbing scene all around, really. Oh, God, just, like, I've known way too many people who have been victims of domestic abuse of one form or another, whether it was sexual or physical or emotional or mental, and, uh, like, I just can't let him be a protagonist on this show now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. So the next scene I've got is uh, the chief going uh, out uh, in a... Uh, it, it appears to be a predominantly uh, black neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. They're doing a gang sweep, he says. A gang sweep, yeah. and um, Where they arrest five people. Yes. <laughs> and uh, But he also has a... a uh, 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 him and the um, angry neighbourhood guy have a hands-on-hip standoff. Yeah. Did you notice that? They both stood there, yeah, with their hands on their hips and looking very angry at each other. They do their superwoman pose. Yes. Um, Yeah. I was thinking of uh, the Janeway. Oh, yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. In the in Phil is the superwoman. She does like the. Oh. But uh, it's also the Wonder Woman pose, and it's the Janeway pose. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the Superman pose. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I uh, I enjoyed the, uh, the the hands on hips standoff aspect of it. Um, didn't really enjoy the rest of the scene though. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I, I, it was a pointless scene. It was. Except that I did write down watching the chief get pelted with cabbage has made all of this worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like because everyone carries around a head of the cabbage, a head of cabbage in the ghetto. <laughs> Just in case. I did notice, though, before then, that there was a guy holding a grocery, uh, a bag of groceries. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice mm-hmm. that. And I was thinking, oh, was that like foreshadowing? 
Yeah. One, of the, one of the old paper sack yeah. kind of grocery bags. Too. Yeah. yeah. You normally see in like old episodes of Cagney Lacey and it's usually got sticks of celery sticking out the top of yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or like a baguette. Or a baguette. <laughs> 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 yeah. So um, I guess the chief was just lucky he wasn't hit over the head with like a, like a three day old uh, baguette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've got Undercover Prostitute Song. I wrote down, okay, I love the extremely weird hooker cop briefing song. <laughs> and I really wish they were drag queens. Well, I think one of them may have been. Well, and the next thing I wrote down was, and I think one of them is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she looks fabulous. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no slight. Better than I would. Yeah. No. Um, and you've it, seen me on Prison Talent Show Night. <laughs> I think everybody's seen that. Um, yeah, and because uh, 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 one of the uh, undercover cops, uh, the uh, one of the uh, female cops who, who's going undercover as a prostitute, says to Leonard Betts, "Can I advertise?" To which he responds. <laughs> What did you have in mind? And then it's like, well... And then she launches into this Choose Me song, yeah. which is basically her and her uh, and her fellow female undercover cops all kind of vying for the punter, the imaginary punter's attention. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, this is the prostitution... Um, menu song I've been wanting all along yeah I think that's actually I think it actually is why I keep thinking that Crystal Astray's mom comes back right because of that number yes and um, and the main prostitute is Kelly Clarkson I mean it's not really but she looks like her <laughs> but she sounds like, like Crystal Astray's mom because she's she, got kind of like that raspy voice yes she's like uh-huh. you know what can I da, 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 you know mm-hmm. she's got that sound yeah yeah that I obviously can't mimic. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about this, one of, the, one of the many things I love about this song is the way that they dress the set for the yes. song. It's like all the lights go dark and all of a sudden there are all these neon signs all over the briefing room. There's the girls, girls, girls sign and there's the, the motel yeah. sign. And, and I, like, I was completely in love with the cinematography for yeah. the song. Yeah. Yeah. The choreography is great. The, the music is great. The song is great. The performance is great. It's so awesome how, like, weird and creepy the little smile that Leonard Betts has the whole time. Yeah. Like, he's like, I need her cancer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, it's so... Everything about it is so surreal and weird, and it works so well. Yeah. I I really like this song. I thought... I, I, totally. I, 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 I think now, you know without giving too much away from the rest of the episode let's not quibble over how long the original uh, the unofficial soundtrack album needs to be oh definitely but I would make a case for this song to appear on that unofficial soundtrack album I could stand with that yeah oh absolutely 100% I'll stand with my Daisy Dukes with the lace trim. Oh, wow, those are amazing. Those are amazing. I was like, I would wear those today. In fact, for all you know, listeners, I am. We're all actually sat around this table wearing them, aren't we? You know it. 
got a sewing machine in my cell with some, you know, lace. <laughs> Chopped off our little stripes. You, you I f- saved napkins from the from the from the cafeteria for six <laughs> months to get enough paper to make that lace. <laughs> I'm going to put an exclamation point on uh, "choose me." Absolutely, I think it deserved it. And then, at the culmination of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Clarkson says to Leonard Betts, so what do you think? To which he replies, I think I'm going to have to cite you for having an, uh, having an exposed muffler. <laughs> uh, what in the fuck? Well, I what mean, the hell? in the UK, you know, like right. the slang for a woman's front parts is a muff. So right. I'm thinking, like, is that what it meant back in, like, L.A. I mean, slash New York in 1990? Oh, that term is also used for that in America. Oh, is it? Okay. It's just, uh, in, in the United States, it's used in, like, really specific contexts. Right. So it's, like, it's a little out of context, but it's that is absolutely what muff means here. Right. <laughs> I was very surprised by that. I think we all were, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Just like a collective gasp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was funny, actually. There were two times during this episode that I heard us all do that. One was if, you know, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to lay hands on you. We all were like, yeah. you know, and, uh, and then that, when he said exposed muffler, and we all, <gasps> basically, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, what a great sequence that was! Yeah, oh, excellent, so good. Well done, cop rock. That's that's great. That's just like great musical yeah. content. Like that's great musical theater yeah. right there. Loved it. Um, and then are we back back to court? Yeah, because all I wrote down was CCH Pounder is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I care about. That's all I care about. I don't care. Whom they put on trial next? They could put Big Bird and <laughs> and fucking Barney on trial for a triple homicide. I don't care. Whatever. As long as CCH Pounder is prosecuting it and I get to watch, yeah. I'm good. I'd be good with that. Did you have anything for, for that scene? Um, I just no, just wrote down basically that there was an interrogation by CCH Pounder of Captain and Larusso or the lawyer. Oh, all right. Um, that's okay. all I have. That was the captain's time. Okay, yeah, because it was the experts before, and uh, right. now it was the captain. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't really notice much about that scene apart from little uh, sartorial comment again, which was that every man's tie has a really small knot. I don't know if you noticed that, but every man who was wearing a tie, which mm-hmm. was basically because it was a court of law, it was most of them, the, the knot bit at the top mm-hmm. was like yeah. really tiny. Well, really big knots were like a 70s thing. Yeah. And, and then little knots were an 80s reaction to that, for right. sure. And 70s knots, like big knots, became so identified with the 70s that I think little knots have stayed a thing. Right. Right up until today, almost. Uh now I think like big knots are more back in, but yeah, it's a part of the a lot of things from the seventies that are getting recycled for a second time. I saw jumpers the other day in Target, uh-huh. like the one piece kind of overally bell bottomy things. I think they were made of green velvet. Oh, <laughs> that's rave pants. Like, isn't that rave? I, 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 I think that is rave kid stuff. 
But in the 90s, the Rave Kids yeah. stuff were wearing a lot of 70s retreads. Yeah. Gosh. I didn't realize that all that was going on. No, but I, I, I did. I did wonder. I brought it down. Was that a nineties thing? Which you kind of said, yes, it was. Because I mean, nineteen nineties, pretty much the eighties. Yeah. So I, I remember actually distinctly reading uh, Newsweek, um, to which I still subscribe uh, here in prison. Um, <laughs> but I remember in like eighty eight reading a Newsweek that was the eighties are over and the nineties have started. And their entire argument was that you were seeing like business people with businessmen with ponytails. Oh. And that like the big shoulder pads thing had ended. Thank God. Except I think CCH Founders wearing some shoulder pads. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But I already have like shoulders up to my ears. So <laughs> shoulder yeah. pads were never a good thing for me. Like there, there yeah. are some people that need a little poof if they want it. Mm hmm. But I always rip the shit out of them. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like a little Tasmanian devil football player in seventh grade, you know. Useful in the winter, though. That's act, right. Act, that's right. They acted act, like little muffs yeah. for your ears. And, you know, muffs for your ears. And I've always liked having, like, defined shoulders. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, I don't know. I can't yeah. even pretend. But Yeah. No, I think I think you look. It, clothes look better mm-hmm. on you if you've got like well, yeah, big shoulders. If you look Not at a mannequin, shoulders, but like you know, defined, defined shoulders. Yeah, yeah. mannequins yeah. are very defined. Yeah, they're not like slumped over in the window, are they? Right. If there were a story devoted just to me, <laughs> then the mannequin would be slumped over in the window. You're not slumped over. <laughs> Sat there in your daisy jukes. <laughs> With your handmade lace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can only wash it once, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, is the next scene the one I think it is? Yes, it is. Which to me, oh. it m- quite possibly is a contender for the highlight of the whole series. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Yes, I think so. I think it is. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, can I just yeah, go what on. my note was. My note was. Wait, this is their next song, a creeper. Actually, never mind. I love <laughs> this song. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh god, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, oh, break out the whip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought this was going to be a song in which basically this guy kept sexually harassing the cop that had arrested him. Yeah. And no, it's this, like, this, uh, this love ballad to his own delight in his own perversions. Yeah. Yes. And he's just like, he's just like, yeah. Whatever, I don't care. I go to church and I try to be a nice person and I pay my taxes. And you know what? Nobody gets to care that I want to get tied up and dominated. Yeah. Because I'm not a bad person. And I was like, holy shit, this is the most empowering song of the entire... <laughs> like, his kink is not my kink. That's okay. That's the point of the song. Yeah. Like, I don't need to be into what that guy's into to respect but, him for owning it. To be fair, he was into a lot. Yeah. He was kind of into a lot. Uh, and, um, yeah, and there was that one particular lyric that was just so amazing I pay my taxes I go to church I pray for a breakthrough in medical research <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I left the note taking up to you because I knew you were going to like 
write that right away. <laughs> like, like, I'll let him do the hard work. <laughs> so I wrote that lyric down and then just wrote, fuck me sideways. <laughs> and then I wrote down, I think we found our bonus song for the unofficial soundtrack. Absolutely. Boner song. Boner song. Nice. I thought you said boner. No, but you I meant bonus. But no, I, I think we found our boner song. song. Totally. Definitely yeah. the boner song at the end. Like, I, I just, my heart goes out to that guy so yeah. hard. Yeah. But I also liked how he competed with the chunky poo face. <laughs> and, yes. like, the expressions. Like, he was very expressive and all about his subness. And I, I loved it. That dude's face was like a bowl of silly putty getting shaken around. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, I it was loved awesome. It. He was like Play-Doh in an earthquake. And the little bit of, I guess, would that be vibrato at the end? The, ah, or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. No yeah. yeah. I have no idea what that would have been, but yeah. I wrote down, the lyrics, the performance, the screeching. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, one of my other favorite things about this song is the way that all those other dude cops, Mm -hmm. like, they start paying attention and they start, like, stepping up to their windows and their doors and, like, watching him sing. And they're watching with completely blank expressions. They're not judging him and they're not making fun of him. Mm -hmm. And the only alternative is that they're like, yeah, we know what you mean. Yeah. We like to get stepped on with stiletto heels on our back as well. Yes. I just, I fucking love that song. Yeah. I love everything about that song. I actually wrote down the performance of this song is absolutely phenomenal. And then I drew five little hearts. <laughs> I was just like, I needed pen and ink heart emojis. Yeah. <laughs> I love for this song. Boner track. Boner track. Mm-hmm. It's down. Um, yeah. So the second, the uh, 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 second amazing song of the episode yeah oh, so good yeah. which makes up for the none of last episode I yeah think. yeah wow because there episode. were four that and there were that's n- right there was nothing that stood yeah. out yeah. this one has two solid yeah i can't this... wait to find out what 11 holds in store <sighs> gosh be still my beating heart uh the next scene i think Rolf wants out of the marriage. Yeah. Finally. Hello, fucking Louia. Before he had ever gotten to saying that, he was like, maybe I should just throw in the towel. And, or Vicky did, or whoever, I don't know, whatever, mm-hmm. daughter, wife. And I wrote, please throw in the towel. <laughs> and so I'm guessing, like, that's that. Fingers crossed. No, I don't want them to get back together. I mean, I've got this horrible feeling <sighs> that, you know, because this is the penultimate episode and they split up. They're leaving like a big reunion, you know, like a, 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 not a reunion, a, what do you call it? A re- reconciliation. reconciliation, thank you, for the final episode. I'm really, really hoping that's not going to well, happen. Well, the good news is the, sh- the network didn't cancel the show until after they had finished production of the 11th episode. Uh-huh. So they made the 11th episode knowing it was probable they would get canceled, but not certain. Right. They got a lot, they got some shit to wrap up. And with two episodes left and have been purchased. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they don't feel a need to like give them a happy ending in the last seconds of the last episode. I really don't want to think about Rolf having a happy ending. <sighs> yeah, I really hope Vicky gets to move the fuck on and go fuck the shit out of Andy. Yeah, yeah. for real. Because she's human and alive, and she's actually attracted to him. Yeah. Yeah. And not with her husband just because she's married to him because he's a dick. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, in my fanfic version, I realized what happens to Vicky is that she and the, the like, please whip me and beat me even though I'm a nice guy <laughs> guy. Uh, I think he's called Lyle. 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 Vicky and Lyle get together. There's not a lot of emotions involved, <laughs> but they satisfy each other's needs. She gets to be in charge in, in what they call a relationship. Mm-hmm. He gets to keep the life that he has at home that's not disrupted. Mm-hmm. He gets to have his needs met by this person who does not need to be emotionally invested in him because the last time she got really emotionally invested in somebody else's happiness, look what happened. He turned out to be a complete asshole who dumped her in the middle of a couple's counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets to be, you know, have a lot of agency. Yeah. I'd be down with that. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Vicky, if you're listening, <laughs> go, girl, go. <laughs> uh, look up Lyle. He's in your files. Yeah. Um, probably uh, from uh, December 1990. Have a look back. They've probably digitized them, those uh, old uh, case notes by now, haven't they? Uh, yeah. No more microfiche for Lyle. No more ni- microfiche, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, go out and uh, go at it like knives. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got... Uh, it's back to the courtroom. There's a lot of courtroom in there's this There's a room. lot of courtroom in there. But suddenly there's uh, Tuvok from Star Trek yes. Voyager as a juror with a tash. Oh, I love Tuvok. Yeah. He looked... Quite, he looked pretty hot in this episode. He looks very hot. He's super young. Yeah. It's only, I think we figured out five years before Voyager, but still. Yeah. No, he looks great. Um, I wrote down CCH Pounder's closing argument resonates across decades to remind us that in order for anything to change, we will always have to work. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, everything she says is she could, you could stand on the steps of the courthouse and say it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my uh, 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 note was slightly less profound and I put why does juror number two look like she's being constantly goosed (laughs) (laughs) is she the one with the short hair and the glasses no no she's the one with the long dark hair she was was sat sat there like, like this like the entire time like (laughs) <laughs> wide-eyed and yes. and, and uh, slightly uncomfortable yeah she looked like she was being perpetually poked <laughs> um, she doesn't know how to be kind of you know mm. mild in her <laughs> facial expressions on camera yeah uh, I've not seen her in anything else funnily enough well um, not everybody's born for the screen that's true um, and then, um, oh, blimey, um, we have the Chief's dream sequence. Yeah. Oh, before we get there, oh. uh, I wrote down, is Sydney's closing argument really to shrug and ask, how can any of us know anything? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, but, sorry, but the next thing I have is about the Chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he has a, um... Uh, a dream well when he wakes up from the dream um, he describes it to uh, Ozzy 
as, um, no, this is a direct quote, all these blacks were hanging me for being a racist. Uh, it's just kind of, uh, it's just a shame that it was just a dream and he wasn't being strung up. Huh, you know. Until they kind of violent one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but you know. <laughs> to be fair, I am the violent one. Yeah, that's it, that is true, yeah. We just have our streaks. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I wrote down, my name is Sergeant Snout, and I am here for David Lynch's latest work, The Wizard of Oz Tries the Chief for Being a Racist Master. <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote down, and I'm pretty proud of this one, I'm pretty sure every time Your Number's Up is played, Jeff Sessions sits bolt upright in bed, clutching his All Stars of the Confederacy bedspread and drenched in flops wet. <laughs> yes, I can, I can imagine, imagine that he does actually. Um, yeah, and so I'm going to be playing that on a loop tonight. Good. <laughs> On um, in the dream, at one point, Ozzy says to the chief, and I'm not entirely sure I got this quote entirely right, but it's along the lines of, "Are you a racist, yellow-bellied chicken bastard? Yes or no?" I put honky yellow-breasted. That's what oh, I was it. Honky yellow-breasted chicken bastard. Yeah, something like that. Well, you do like chicken. I do love chicken. I'm very allergic to to it. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I'd be uh, even more allergic to uh, what did you have? Honky yeah, hon- breasted. Honky yellow breasted. Honky yellow breasted chicken. I mean, whatever he said, the answer is yes. Yes, he's all of everything terrible. Yeah. And I did love the bit where he woke up and he was framed um, against the background of like a, a display cabinet of guns. Yeah. And I thought, hmm. You wouldn't get that in Dixon of Dot Green. Mm. Very apt, though. Yes. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, uh, there's a scene between Trish and LaRusso. <laughs> oh my god, okay, so. So, first, I actually wrote down that Ozzy explaining racism to the chief is actually a pretty great moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like that's actually a really good Comes moment. From fair. Yeah. You don't know us, chief. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a beautiful moment. Because yeah. he's like, he, what he's saying is, mm. yes, you're a racist, and I don't hate you. I wish you were better informed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a really difficult place to get to and is a really much more complex story. Mm-hmm. Yet again, I feel like this show manages to engage in questions of race and racism and play out all of the like stupid two-dimensional stuff that we're required to see play out in any work that engages with race and then sticks around to raise a more interesting question afterwards. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. I also wrote down, I want to get you pregnant is an awfully strange place to take this, but... (laughs) Yes. Maybe we should point out that that wasn't a line between Ozzy and the the chief. chief. (laughs) Honestly, I would be more comfortable with it if it had. (laughs) That was a line. Uh, Finally, Trish gets uh, some dialogue in this episode and, um, and is not wearing a deck chair. Uh, as uh, uh, Duda pointed out and yeah and then LaRusso says to her I want something to live for Trish I want you to have my baby to which she replies 
Okay, Vincent. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Just complete short circuit of my brain. Yeah, totally what the fuck. Yeah. And then that was just the end of the scene, right? That was the end of the scene. Yeah, she calls us at the door to be like, okay, fine. Inseminate me. Yeah, inseminate me. (laughs) Like I'm another fucking calf on the ranch. (laughs) Jesus. I've really gone off her. Yeah, no, I don't like her anymore. Mm. I used to really love her. Yeah. Because she was putting Larissa in his place. She was sex positive. Yeah. And I liked it for that. But no, it turns out she wasn't sex positive. She's just a sex maniac yeah. with a penchant for wearing fucking deck chairs and getting inseminated by racist cops. Yeah, for real. And or clear pl- pl- choice plus or whatever the um, not, is it the pregnancy test? Oh yeah. Yeah. First response. Okay, I don't even know the names of like brand name pregnancy test because I always just do the off brand <laughs> <laughs> when needed, like once a decade. Thank God. <laughs> Well, we don't get the branded stuff in in this jail, do we? No. No, no. I don't. They don't ever give me. They the just branded give us ones. a plus or negatives. Yeah. yeah. They just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> they just tell me how long it'll be. <laughs> We're constantly getting knocked up, aren't we? <laughs> There's not a lot of question for me about whether or not I'm pregnant. <laughs> I probably am. It's just how far along you are. <laughs> exactly. And when we can expect the next one to drop. <laughs> just call it a yes and be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and we're still not at the end of the episode kind of this episode felt like it went forever I know I thought it was like a feature length episode yeah but having said that there was yet another great song yeah the um, jurors deliberating reasonable doubt reasonable doubt what a great song that was. I didn't like it as much as the others, but, um, but it was a well-done song. It was better than anything we got in the last episode, for mm-hmm. sure. I felt like it started strong, and I wrote down, ended like a train wreck. Oh. Because it just felt like it fizzled. Right. Yeah, you know? I remember the opening a lot. Yeah, liking it was like it, strong but... and good lyrics, and then it just kind of repeated and became weaker yeah. and less strong performance-wise. Yeah. So I think that was... Yeah. Although that was uh, Loretta Divine, I think. And I put Loretta Divine knocks it out of the park. Um, and uh, and sh- Loretta Divine, if you, if you don't know the name, you kind of know the face. And, she uh, looked really familiar. Yeah, she's been in a shit ton of stuff. And uh, I think uh, she's won like uh, an Emmy for uh, appearing on Grey's Anatomy. She's kind of a bit of a Broadway legend. So um, I remember her, strangely enough, from the Cosby Show spin-off, A Different World, um, which would I guess would have been around this time. Probably. Yeah. So that's how I recognised her, because obviously she's 27 years older now, but still working, still mm-hmm. winning awards and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Yeah, absolutely. She was great. Really, really great. Um, I wrote down, is this song going to be about a crime? Well, sort of. Kind of, yeah. So, um, well, okay. I I think I liked that more than you two did. I didn't think it was bad. No. It just didn't capture me the way that the other two real highlight songs did. Right. Yeah. Ass on hung jury. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're like, can I be the inspector of that? <laughs> the inspector detector. <laughs> you just have to answer saying, just how hung is that jury? Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we finally get to the final scene, and it's the verdict. Man. Yeah. I just wrote down, not guilty is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, like, I feel like they did it because they had to do it for there to be drama. Like, if they just send LaRusso away, then his story is over. The end. Um, and, like, the central story of the first season disappears with him. Mm-hmm. So they had to have him found not guilty. Except that, that's really frustrating for us as the audience because we saw it happen. Mm-hmm. And because... Everything in the jur- in the courtroom should have led to a guilty conviction. Yeah, and because CCH Pounder, yes. you can't convince me that CCH Pounder is going to lose in court. No. I don't care. CCH Pounder could murder seventeen people in the middle of the Super Bowl halftime show, and she would get off in court because she's CCH Pounder. <laughs> what was that about you not being the the violent one again? <laughs> I'm not. The, I'm not saying I want 17 people to get murdered in the middle of the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that if CCH Pounder did it, I might shrug. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You still haven't um, explained to the uh, listeners uh, what you're in for. Let's leave that. <laughs> Maybe we should probably leave that until the final episode. Definitely. No, there's a cliffhanger, mm. which actually um, uh, brings me to my note which uh, uh, was, uh, it's interesting that we hear the verdict at the end of the episode. And I was thinking that was a very, it's because this um, TV show is very much of its time, mm-hmm. where every episode is pretty, although obviously it is serialized storytelling. There has to be kind of like a beginning and end, a beginning, middle and end to each episode. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so uh, we get the verdict. And I was thinking if this show was made today, we wouldn't get the verdict right at the end of the episode. I think we would get the, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do you mm-hmm. find the defendant guilty or not guilty? End credits. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then hook you like crack on the next one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't even get it pre-opening titles on the next one. Because no. that would be showing you some other story. Yeah. Right. And then you get the opening titles and then you get back to court and there'd be like a very brief uh, uh, um, replay of, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Mm-hmm. And then Jill Collins would walk in, wouldn't she? <laughs> and, she and you couldn't see her face when she walked in, but then she'd sit down and then she'd lift the veil and then you'd go like, oh, it's her off the bitch or the stud or whatever. She's mm-hmm. what she was probably best known for. Or is it them? Was she in that Ants movie? Whatever, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. But anyway, (laughs) you get my meaning. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the end of the episode. It feels like the episode just like ends, duh, and it's done. Mm -hmm. But I I understand, like, if I had been watching this on every Wednesday night, you know, Mm -hmm. as it unfolded, then I would probably be like, oh my god, I can't wait to see what happens next week, and it wouldn't feel like a dud ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to me, it felt like a dud ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of landed with a bit of a thud. Yeah. But um, but on the whole, the episode was um, 
Uh, uh, well, there's plenty in it. I think it's actually, on the whole, a very good episode. Yeah. So, good cop, bad cop, uh, innocent bystander, who's who this week? Which do you want? Detective Dudai. Oh. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to fill in any of the three, because I feel like you guys have... And I'll be... I'll, I'll be innocent bystander. Okay. Um, I'll let you guys fight that out for mm-hmm. good versus bad. Okay. But well, I know you can be good while being bad and bad while being good. So. Well, well, while you give your reasons for being innocent bystander, we'll put our fighting Daisy Dukes on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tear the lace. <laughs> it's camo. <laughs> um, all in all, I thought this was a pretty solid episode. Good songs. Uh, I feel like it definitely had an ending that was a dud but it was also kind of not what I was expecting mm-hmm. um, because I do think Miss Bounder gave all of the evidence that was needed to convict LaRusso mm-hmm. um, I really did love Lyle the John song I at first was kind of like what the fuck and then I was like oh what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we should do a count like every I think there should be a drinking game at some point like every time I say what the fuck it should be like people do a shot (laughs) they'd arrest me for another murder (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah I think it was it was a solid episode I feel like there were some holes and or um, you know still don't like father or husband being a total dick and wanting out Mm. Um, but I think he can just step aside and let Miss Vicky do her thing. So I'm just going to step back and watch that unfold mm-hmm. in the last episode. Mm. I, I, I'm going to have to be good cop. I think that's fine. Yeah, because I'm I'm happy to bad cop. I, see, I, I cannot bad cop this episode. Oh, I can. Because, I, you know, I know that there were shitty moments. Um... I mean, let's face, let's face it, anything featuring Rolf now is um, borderline unbearable. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you that. And, um, and, that, and that's not that's nothing against the actor, um, because he does such a great job of making him unlikable. So I would say that even then, even with like Rolf being such an unlikable character, um, there's a triumph there. There's triumph for the actor. Um, but <laughs> uh, but there are plenty of other more straightforward triumphs um, in this episode, and I think chief among them is that I would argue there are three great songs in this episode. I think there are um, there are five songs altogether. Mm-hmm. It's quite a lot of her songs. Six if you count Happy Birthday. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, the LaRusso song, which I wasn't keen on, but you were. Yeah, that was pretty good. And um, what was the next song? The next Except song for its content. Uh, Choose Me. What was that? Except for its content. Except for its content. Choose Me, the undercover, undercover prostitute song. Um, we loved that. Uh, there was Lyle, the John song. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was phenomenal and I think my favourite song of the entire series um, I wasn't keen on Your Numbers Up I must admit 
um, that wasn't a highlight um, of the episode, um, the chief being led to a noose. Although, as Duda pointed out during the watch, at least there was a fucking noose in this episode. Yes. And the episode title made some sense, <laughs> as opposed to the previous episode, which was called, what, Marital Blitz? Yeah. And featured and didn't feature, feature any marriage at all. No. And then, at the end, we have Reasonable Doubt, which I think... Uh, you were both unfairly harsh on, uh, and I and I really loved it. So um, all of that in what forty five minutes? What more do you fucking want? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me enumerate what else I would fucking like because I am the bad cop on this episode. There's a lot to love in this episode. The music in this episode is, episode is way better than it's been. On average, I think this is musically the strongest episode mm-hmm. of the series so far. And I think that Lyle's song about needing to get dominated is by far the strongest song and arguably the strongest performance of a song in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it is unforgivable for me that they have not portrayed Ralph at this point as being an abuser. Yeah. It is just inexcusable to me to let the storyline be that Vicky wishes Ralph would stay with her. After he said, I'm going to lay hands on you in front of a counselor, like that is it. The storyline has got to be that he has to get out of her life, period. Because people don't get to treat each other like that. That really just crawls right up me and dies. That we're supposed to be, like, what? Rooting for them to get back together? Oh, fuck every part of that noise. Also, it is bullshit that they found LaRusso not guilty. And I'm just personally offended that they did not reward CCH Pounder with a verdict in her favor. Mm-hmm. So, I'm bad cop. Fair enough. But what I would say, in counter-argument to that, is that we have one episode left. And I'm kind of hoping, I'm really hoping... That Rolf is going to get his comeuppance. That LaRusso will get his comeuppance. That we'll see Crystal Astray's mother again. Hell, that we'll see Lyle the John again. But stranger things have happened. Lyle the John and Crystal Astray's mother get together. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So last time I'd said that I was pretty sure that all the episodes were named by the people who put out the DVD set, Shop Factor. No, in fact, what I have found, and listener, if you're interested, you can find this also on eBay. On eBay, there's a company or whatever, an eBay store, that sells promotional stills from 80s and 90s television shows, including several of the promotional stills that were sent to local affiliates for them to use to promote Cop Rock. And in the caption of a still from the episode titled Mother's Day on the DVD set. It refers to the episode as being titled Mother's Day, which means these names came from the TV show itself at the time it was created, which makes it even more problematic when they make no sense. (laughs) Well, you say problematic, I say fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) One man's problematic is another man's fabulous. Uh Uh-huh. So... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so coming up next, we've got um, 
beat a what was it? Bats beat a drum slowly. Beat the parts slowly. Bang the parts slowly. Bang the parts slowly. Which I'm pretty sure is the title of a porno. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking of a Timber Tamber song. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but it was there's a beat the drum slowly. It was a yeah. You can name okay. you can name other work. We just yeah. can't sit around and perform it and sell right. this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, listener, uh, we'll catch you next week on Let's Watch Cop Rock. Pour a big glass because it's the last episode. Pour a fucking enormous glass. Actually, pour a goldfish bowl. Go on, push the boat out and bowl uh, and, and, and fill a fucking bin yep. full of wine or whatever floats your boat. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of hoping that we're going to go out in style. Fingers crossed. With the banging of the pots. With the banging of the pots. <laughs> I have a pot of wine. Have a pot of wine. Right. Yeah, have that a sounds wine like a great pot. episode. A great idea, rather. <laughs> yeah. Right. That uh, uh, that sorts it. That's we're off. We're all off to uh, Harris Teeter to buy pots of wine <laughs> <laughs> for our next episode. And as we apparently say, <laughs> go cop yourself. Go cop yourself. <laughs> I think that night I said night, y'all. <laughs> 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 Might have been a little hammered. <laughs> Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at CopRocker and at Officer Orphus. I did my time, and now the jury in silent main has passed the verdict.